0: following program is brought to you by your friends at podcast one lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing we do it right too with incredible deals during our spring black friday sale like 19 ounce bonnie vegetable and herb plants four for ten dollars and pick up five bags of scott's mulch in store only for just ten dollars whatever's on your list hurry in and save during our spring black friday sale do it right for less start with lowe's Offers valid through 417 Will supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details. U.S. only.
1: I love the women's movement in a way that I'm, I've been saying for years that, you know, society treats women as second class citizens. Like people like the, the biggest problem in the world is sexism like but no one will ever say that because it's been that way for centuries every religion teaches that a woman is a second-class citizen is second to man every religion you can't show me one religion that doesn't that, that doesn't do that like in the way that we build our societies our government like for for us to be this day and age and women still don't get paid equally as men is ridiculous
2: welcome to the forbes interview i'm your host steve Pertoni. On this show, I'll do in-depth interviews with billionaires, entrepreneurs, and influencers. Today, we have Nick Cannon, who is, I don't know, entertainer, executive, entrepreneur. I don't know, do you cook? Do you, do, do you paint as well? You I do, do everything. paint. I don't cook, though.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm actually uh, horrible in the kitchen. But uh, other than that, you know. Horrible in the kitchen and origami. Those are the two things I suck at. Yeah, I can't fold for anything. I can't fold paper.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on? You have you're doing so much stuff across music and film and television. And what's what what's the latest?
1: Uh, I mean, it's always something. You know, what I mean, you got to keep cooking while the pot is hot. So in the world of entertainment, I don't see it as the latest. It's kind of like whatever your your heart desires in that moment of artistry. So, uh, you know, continuing to be in front of the camera, behind the camera, and film and television. Uh, we have a few projects out through my company, uh, Incredible Entertainment. But then mainly right now focusing on my um, music endeavors as mm-hmm. uh, CEO of my label as well as an artist on my label, uh, Incredible, and uh, putting out a project called Incredible Gang uh, slash Model Music is our our project title for you know the, the playlist that we're putting forth right now. And what's that going? What, what are you trying to do for that? Uh. Everything, <laughs> uh, everything. What's, that what's model music? Model music is just just a title of just mainly uh, a compilation of songs mm. with new and. Uh, established artists that we we're developing through my label, so just really just the vibe where everybody can feel like a supermodel. <laughs> I like that, I can. I need. Some, I need some of that myself. Yeah, yeah. Oh. everybody can enjoy some model music.
2: <laughs> how do you like decide? Like, how do you decide what you're going to do on a given day? Like, and how do you say no? Because you said you know you want to you, know, you want to uh-huh. cook while the while the oven's hot, but at the same yeah. time you're every. I feel like you're one of those guys that you turn the TV. You're always on TV.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't say no a lot. I say I don't turn down much, but my collar. Uh, but it's mm. it, it's. You have to be strategic when it comes to time management. Uh, I'm, st- I'm currently a, a full-time student at Howard University. Wow. So uh, between being a full-time father and a full-time student, those kind of balance everything else. And then all my businesses kind of run themselves. But it's just really about planning and scheduling and enough time to where you can execute everything that you need to. Uh, usually if I'm saying no, it's probably because it's just not enough hours in a day.
3: And taking a moment to thank our supporters, Amica Insurance, Rocket Mortgage, and veridesk you'll hear more about these companies later in the show
2: yeah but in terms of like, like how you know if something's like a pro like I imagine now if when you look at a project it's gotta be exciting to you
1: yeah that's the other thing i don't do anything unless i enjoy it and that's just a you know model to live by in life If like if you're not like actually fully getting the most out of it and, and the joy and the fulfillment out of it mm-hmm. then why are you doing it uh, and then, you know, to be able to be that blessed to where I don't have to do things that I don't want to do. Um, I wish everybody had that opportunity to kind of have that outlook on life. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I understand some of us have to do certain things. And it becomes more of a tedious task than, you know, fulfilling your, uh, your creativity or, or whatever it is that you set out to do in your life. And you were
2: saying you kind of, these businesses, you know, almost... Run themselves, but I'm sure they don't. And I'm sure you're being uh, humble with that. But like, let's take Wild and out for example. So you, yeah. you you're like the creator of it, the writer, the producer, yeah, and, and the host, the star of it. Yeah. Like, what is that? Like, how do you do? You just like live and breathe when you're doing that. Like, you, is it always
1: in your head? Like, yeah. And it's funny because I don't even look at that as a job. Like, I love every aspect of it from mm-hmm. discovering new talent, from the jokes to being on the show to the different verticals that we've expanded into from uh, touring to. Uh, restaurants and merchandise and all that it, it's just like I love it it's not a it's not a something that I think of as oh I gotta control this or I'm the boss here just something you know I created this cool idea in about 2004 and mm-hmm. you know it's just become its own IP in so many different ways that uh we just tap into it and and we live it you know what mm-hmm. I mean it's truly a lifestyle it's truly like I'm a part of the DNA of and now. And you've been in showbiz for almost twenty years now, right? In public yeah, eye more. Yeah, or less? public eye, a little bit more. I mean, I started professionally doing stand up um probably in the comedy store improv laugh factory days probably when I was like fifteen. So probably like since like ninety five, ninety six. How'd you how'd you get into
2: that? You always people always telling you're you were funny, you gave it a shot or?
1: Yeah, it was just doing something different. I mean, I come from a, a line of preachers and ministers and I hmm. could never do that but you know I do too much sinning to be a man of the cloth. so <laughs> uh but I honestly but just, they were almost you know they were oh, you come yeah they used to be in, the being in front of and a, and a crowd them. and you know kind of you know people thought you know I could entertain in so many different ways mm-hmm. I mean I've always been a musician and someone that can just get in front of a audience or a congregation and, and speak or talk or sing or whatever it is so uh, the, the reason why I believe stand up probably opened up for me because I, you know, my father preaching and stuff and me kind of opening up for the preacher man in a lot of different areas. It's just something different and unique that a lot of people hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's usually how you break through uh, in any form of art or business. It's like if you're, if you're the only one doing it, people are going to take notice.
2: Well, and you said, you know, since 1995, so much is like as the business of entertainment and media has changed so much. I mean, you started before there was really internet, before there yeah. was social media, before there was mobile, you know, what, what's changed?
1: Has that changed what you do? Access has changed. I mean, uh, interestingly enough, like, you know, I was one of those kids who had a video camera and making videos and stuff when nobody else was doing it. But now like everyone has a video camera on their phone. Everyone yeah. has access to the world. Uh, so probably what I was doing back then, which seems special wouldn't be so special today because every kid is doing it. Um, but, uh, you know, again, it was like when you're allowed to be a trailblazer, allowed to be someone of, you know, many firsts, then you're always constantly looking for that. And that's kind of become my my hunger throughout the, the years of my career is like, oh, what's next? I remember we were mm-hmm. doing this and then in, 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 that's in discovering talent, that's in discovering platforms. And it's kind of how we uh, maneuver. It's
2: interesting you're saying. You know, you were doing what kind of stuff were you doing when you were younger with video cam, with like tape recorders and video cameras?
1: But it was more like public access stuff. Okay, you know what I mean. It was more. That's like, how you got your start, right? Yeah, yeah. access. Yeah, did, like, tell me that story? Because uh, you
2: grew up in basically in a housing project, right?
1: Yeah, well, that all of that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, public housing and, and government assisted living uh, all my life. for, you know, up until you know I was an adult, but. My father, like I said, was a, he had a televangelist ministry on public access. Okay. Uh, and from that— This is in California? Uh, this was actually in North Carolina. North Carolina, okay. Well, he had it on both, but it was more established in, in North Carolina. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I, he needed somebody to run the camera. He needed somebody to do the audio. He, and he had some kids that <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have to pay. <laughs> uh, so he just trained me. I took all of the workshop classes and stuff mm-hmm. through Cablevision and as a reward for myself. Uh, I was allowed to have studio time or have the ability to kind of create my own content. And, you know, early age of like 11, 12, 13, I just started creating for myself. And, you know, it kind of taught me the ropes and showed me uh, or prepared me for my career that I have today. So you're like the first YouTuber. In a sense, uh, yeah, they were called public access uh, creators back then, yeah. but yeah, this was way before YouTube.
2: Give me an example, give our listeners like kind of an example of what they might see on this public access show if they.
1: Oh, it was weird, man. It wasn't good at all. <laughs> like, I mean, it was, it was just a, a kid with a camera, honestly, and being able to. To whether I was rapping or telling jokes or dancing uh but it was just cool. I was just making t v so it it really didn't even have any infrastructure sometimes i'm like, like I remember whoever would come into town, I would go do an interview with them and mm-hmm. you know and, wouldn't be entertaining, but like it's it's funny because when you're, good. you we, you and I had this, I had the same job that you did when you were like 11, <laughs> when you were 11 years old. This is this is this is good. Yours is entertaining though. My mine, I would just like go interview you know the manager at McDonald's and like just talk to him <laughs> for like 30 minutes. <laughs> like, like who would watch this? Uh, But you know I I honed some some interesting skills you know at a very early age that prepared me for later on in my career. What
2: now take me through this from being this cable access guy interviewing the manager of McDonald's to you know getting the show business, which is so hard to break into. But I imagine you know, kind of your upbringing where you came
1: from, you it's a much bigger climb than yeah, anyone else. It, I mean. it it was, uh, it was probably like I said, the fact that I was doing something no one else was doing mm-hmm. is how I kind of got in, like whether it was having my own public access show, uh, as a adolescent to actually being, you know, a kid on stage in a stand-up comedy club, which you're used to seeing, you know, adults, and it's very adult type of situations and humor and behavior. And I'm like mm. a kid, like, on stage talking about, you know, lunch money and detention. Uh, it worked out, you know. I caught a lot of people's eyes because I was like, hey, that's that kid comic. Yeah. And, you know, I was there with the likes of Dave Chappelle and, Chris Tucker and all of these guys that would, you know, go on to be giant stars. Huge, yeah. Uh, but I was like the kid there. And uh, to see them and to see everybody striving and succeeding, like in the mid-90s going into the early 2000s, I was just a part of that process. Yeah, so many stand-up comedians go on to just giant things. Yeah. What what is that? what do you think that is? Because when you're a stand-up comic, you have to do everything. Uh, you have to know how to do everything you have to know how to write you have to know how to produce you have to know how to direct you have to know how to perform you have to know how to promote If you don't know how to do all those things, you mm-hmm. won't be successful right. as a stand up you know you have to you stand outside for hours into you know two, three o'clock in the morning waiting to get on stage for two or three minutes. And you bounce from one club to the other club and you're trying to figure, it's a whole different type of hunger and drive. So once you get an opportunity, whether you get casted in a movie or an opportunity to be on a sitcom or to host something, you take that and, and you run with it. And I think uh, comics are built differently than most people. They, they're like, they're determined to succeed in a way uh that many other careers don't set you mm-hmm. up for like everyone else like there's a school that you go to or there's a uh some type of blueprint that you follow with a stand-up you kind of have to blaze your own trail.
2: yeah being like stand-up kind of like a startup it's like the startup of the true and i'm sure you get you get <laughs> bulletproof to
1: to rejection and i'm sure oh, was, yeah, like, you you could, was like you've been been terrified up there I mean, it wasn't, I didn't have that anxiety like a lot of people have because mm-hmm. I started as a kid. So yeah. it was fun for me. And I probably had it a little easier than most. I mean, I didn't start getting booed until I was probably like <laughs> 15 or 16 because I was, I was cute before then. Even if a joke wasn't hitting or something, I like, oh, he's trying. It's cute. I remember the first time, though, like being in a nightclub with a bunch of drunken adults. And I'm like 15 and people are like... Telling me to get off the stage and I suck and all yeah. that stuff. And it's like, oh wow, this is this is pretty harsh. Adults are being mean to me. Yeah, yeah. So from that point on, you know, I, the the thick skin was was created. And you know, I think I take pride in that throughout my career, being mm. somebody of like a, a Teflon nature. Like I'm I'm kind of indestructible when it comes to uh, being an entertainer. And you know whatever, from critics to opinions, all that stuff, none of that stuff is ever shaking me. I I could rarely, I count on my hand the Mm -hmm. amount of times someone else's opinion actually mattered to me. And that's a skill set because everyone, I mean, as much as we say, oh, don't worry about what other people say, like we all care about what people say. But I feel like I've built up such a, such a, a, how to say I always call it like a bulletproof vest yeah. to, to the haters <laughs> that uh, I've allowed myself just not to be and do you kind of separate do you separate yourself into two people kind of like
2: Nick the entertainer then Nick the real the real guy yeah
1: because no one knows Nick the real guy you know what I mean like everyone's opinion is based off of this f- entertainer that yeah. you know and I'm like I can care less what you think about that person as long as my checks don't stop coming in like <laughs> that's where it becomes a problem like if it starts to like have an effect on you know the the income, then, like, you got to address it. But if not, then, it's like, let people say what they want to say.
2: What was your first, speaking of checks, what was your first break? uh Your, your what, big
1: break going from the kid stand-up comedian to, like, wow, this actually might be a, yeah, like a career. It, it was always gradual, man, because to me success was, like, I remember I got the job of being uh, the audience warm-up for all of the Nickelodeon shows, mm. and I was paying, like, $500 a week to me that I was making more money than anyone in my family was making was that like in, was that in LA uh yeah so I would drive from uh San Diego to Hollywood to do this every week after school huh. what show what kind of shows uh all that Keenan and Kale, the oh. Amanda show those shows and then I started from there I became a, a writer and I was like the youngest staff writer in television history by the time I was 17 so do you have any old warm-up jokes you can share with us? Man, warm-up jokes are t- for twelve-year-olds. Yeah, then. yeah. I don't know if it works now. It was always like how you know going to the bathroom, you know, all that type of stuff. It was never. It, it wasn't really strong material. It was just mm-hmm. really just engaging, like singing, knowing the lyrics to the Brady Bunch and the uh, Gilligan's Island and all that stuff. But you know, it was just keeping the audience engaged. And
2: how did you start going from you know being the warm person, in the, you know, to get the stands going to actually being before the camera?
1: Uh, being intrigued. Wanting to challenge myself, looking, being there like, I'm all right, I'm on set. I can do what those guys are doing. Like, why, you know, I'm over here doing the hard job trying to keep this audience entertained for four hours. <laughs> like, and they get to take breaks and stuff, and I just started writing, you know what I mean? start getting with a lot of the cast members and mm-hmm. a lot of the writers and pitching ideas and, you know, probably being a little bit overzealous for a 17-year-old, but, uh, you know, eventually just asking for what I wanted, and, and those doors opened up for me. Being you know, in show business is hard enough, but you've, like you said, you've gone
2: from writing to performing to actually, you know, starting shows. Like, what's it like to, what'd you make the jump from, you know, being, first of all, it's hard enough to be on camera, but uh, to suddenly start producing and suddenly start developing these ideas?
1: Yeah. Um, I think I, I didn't even realize the difficulty because I kind of had this fearlessness that oh, I'm going to do it regardless. I don't care how hard it is. And it was almost – it was actually probably from a place of ignorance of like not understanding Mm -hmm. how difficult it was. was Like, oh, I'm going to just do it, and then someone's going to take notice, and that's kind of how it happened.
3: And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes interview podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process. It gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com Forbes. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLS NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. And this podcast is brought to you by Amica Auto Home and Life Insurance. When you call Amica, you can expect a different experience because Amica is all about customer service that goes above and beyond the ordinary. You always get the help you need when you call Amica. Visit com slash Forbes today.
2: Let's talk about comedy for a second because you've worked with incredible talent. It's a you, know, you mentioned like in the like early nineties and everything from yeah, Dave Chappelle to Keenan and Cale and everyone. Yeah. Like is that just right place, right time, or you kinda of, you think you had a good sense of sniffing out like these are good performers, these are good shows, these are good networks?
1: Yeah, I I think it's just a community when you think of it. Uh these are just people that are always around and you gravitate towards in that community. I mean, the like likelihood of you being outside of a comedy club and you seeing everyone from Chappelle to Chris Rock to uh, they they just they're there you know yep. it's not like uh you have to be sought out like everybody's there, so and it's it's just a community so i've I've been a part of that community you know since the nineties, mm-hmm. and we're still rocking now, so you you just they're they're the guys that you see, and you sometimes you guys make great content together. How has the comedy world changed? I mean, you've here
2: basically ever you know with social media and obviously with all this stuff around politics you know you hear comedians and even authors and everyone saying that you know you can't be edgy or funny anymore because suddenly you know you become a victim of social media or everyone has no sense
1: of humor anymore is that true nah i think uh, everyone has an opinion now and which kind of sucks cuz everyone doesn't deserve an opinion <laughs> because everyone can't back their opinion up yeah that's the thing that's what that's what make that's what's watered down um opinions in because social media you can say something and then go hide and run yeah. before like as a yeah, comic like a, like or a as, tele- telephone tough guys as yeah, a, yeah yeah, you can but not like you have to stand by your word, and the true comics will continue to do that um i've I continue and will always continue to speak my mind and get in trouble, and I don't care because like if I say something I mean it and I'll stand by it, I don't care what uh someone else's opinion is i don't care if someone believes i should be fired or take that stuff doesn't matter to me um and i believe the real comics will continue to stand up and be that and the ones who aren't who who aren't built for this they'll just they'll Mm -hmm. fall by the wayside they'll get scared by the social media rants and the petitions to get rid of them and they'll like one thing about comedy one thing about life I always say it, it sounds pretty harsh, but it's like you should never apologize mm-hmm. because what are you apologizing for? You're apologizing because you got caught or because someone pointed something out. You're not apologizing because you're really sorry about it. You're 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 apologizing because someone told you it's probably a good idea for you to apologize. And you know it's funny. I even tell my my children. It's like, what is sorry going to do for me? Like you you shouldn't have did it in the first place if you really feel feel Mm -hmm. the guilt about it like that's what you really have to tap into and and when it comes to speaking your mind like why apologize like you you're only apologizing because you got caught or yeah so so in in this state where people are always demanding apologies and I think it's tissue paper feelings, and, and when you come from a place of artistry, you can't be moved by that. Mm. If you're a true artist, you're going to stand for what you believe in. You're going to reflect the times. You're going to hold the mirror up to society. And that's what we got to do. And if it's done in jest, if it's done through music, if it's however it is, it has to be done. Mm. And you have to hold that as even though as much of it is, oh, it's satire and silly and stuff. It's, it's our duty to be artists. Uh, and when you're a weak artist, when you're doing it just for the money or you're doing it for the job, that's unfortunate. I mean, there's a lot of us that have to do that, but the the best of the best hold true to who they are and will mm-hmm. always reflect that. Yeah,
2: because it must be a, t- a tough balance for you because you have so many different hats, and one of them you do
1: a lot with with Nickelodeon, you do a lot with yeah. kids. Is that like a tough balance of having the it more, is, but it know? isn't because that's the thing. I'm myself, you know. um I've had those conversations, mm-hmm. with, you know, cause I'm a very, I'm a businessman and I understand my brand. And, uh, but I've also never shied away from anything controversial. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people would say, well, how can you do this and still do this with children? It's like, well, how can you have children and beliefs? Like you, there's a time and place for everything. Yeah. Just because my music may be explicit doesn't mean I can't talk to a child. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like that, that, that common sense model uh, people, everyone doesn't subscribe to. So, it's like, I have no problem being who I need to be for eight or nine year olds, at Nickelodeon. But then at the same time, be who I need to be for people on World Star Hip Hop yeah. or MTV. It's mm. like it's just it's it's a time and place for everything. How has kind of the entertainment world
2: changed in the last year with with Me Too and all, all the all those? Audiences? I love it, man. I
1: love uh, I and the only reason why is because, again, when when you don't have anything to hide. It, it's bring it on. Welcome, <laughs> welcome everything. But it's 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 crazy because a lot of people's darkness is coming to light. Uh, and I love the women's movement in a way that I'm, I've i been saying for years that, you know, society treats women as second class citizens. Mm-hmm. Like people like the the biggest problem in the world is sexism. like But no one will ever say that because it's been that way for traditions of for centuries from the, every religion teaches that a woman is a second class citizen is second to man every religion you can't yeah. show me one religion that doesn't that that doesn't do that like in the way that we build our societies our government like for for us to be this day and age and women still don't get paid equally as men is ridiculous especially when we just the bottom line they they breed humans <laughs> like the power it takes. There's no, they make humans like, but no one gives them credit. Like it's almost like the most powerful and amazing and immaculate thing that we do as humans. We almost say, Oh, well, because you do that, you can't do anything yeah. else. It's like, you just made a miracle and we treat you <laughs> like, like you're less than us. Like I can't do that, but therefore like, I, I don't know who who made this amazing Jedi mind trick that men are more powerful yeah, than weird. women. But, but so with that, I love every aspect of, of the Me Too movement and, and Time's Up because women are getting their just due finally, finally and using their voice. And I hope they take over every industry and, <laughs> and make men serve them in every way that they possibly can.
2: Is it changing music? Because a lot of rock and roll, a lot of hip hop has always been, you know, been macho. Is it softening it all or changing it all or is it
1: – more? I love machismo and ego that comes in rock and roll and, and, and music. But again, if you really dig deep down to what that all comes from, it comes from a place of insecurity. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? As men, we got to show how tough we are. We got to show how loud we are. We we have to, you know, uh, sling our stuff around to prove that we're we're manly. And it's entertainment. Yeah. So at the end of the day, like, you can't take any of that seriously anyway. Um, but again i i think me personally as a as an artist uh, i struggle with it constantly you know i struggle with it so much having a having a daughter and uh having a 98 year old grandmother who wow. is a uh, has all her faculties and is very disappointed in the music that I make <laughs> uh, based off of, like, saying she's raised me better than the words. Do you warn her beforehand or give her you give her a couple of I don't even beforehand. know how she hears about it. Like, I'm probably the only person with a 98-year-old grandmother who has a Facebook page. Uh, but uh, we have the conversations. I mean, we – and she makes some valid points. And, and she kind of keeps me in line and keeps me in check when it comes to – how I maneuver but to say all of that is because I have that inner struggle that most men have that most artists have that you know sometimes I'm operating out of ego and sometimes I'm operating out of spirit and impurity and, and my my how much I love my mm-hmm. my family and my children and sometimes I want to show everybody how much money I have in the cars I'm driving yeah. and how cool I am and all everything I've overcome and all the obstacles and um there's a time and place for everything but uh it's just all about having a happy balance Talking about you know everything you've overcome. Was there a time? I know you mentioned before that
2: kind of success and and growth happened gradually. But was there a, a moment when you kind of looked back and like, wow, like I've actually I've made it, or I've you know I've, I've made it beyond anyone
1: dreams kind of thing. It's so weird. Was, is there for like me. a mo- time? Yeah, it's weird when I think about those things because it's I still don't think I have made it, you know. Uh, but I definitely know I've far exceeded my expectations of a kid in the projects. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything I've ever dreamed of, I've accomplished and done more. But when you say made it, like to me, like made it is, I don't even know. That journey, that (laughs) success is like, because even, you know, it's not an amount of money. It's not, um, it's, you know what? Made it is icon status. Made it is, when you're gone, they'll still be talking about your impact. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um and I'm so I'm definitely not there. Uh, and that's what we yearn for to, mm. to you know, you mean know, like Prince made it. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Jackson made it. <laughs> like those are the people like yeah, even even my uh my ex wife, Mariah Carey, she made it. Yeah. Like those are people who made it. Then everybody else, it's kinda like yeah, you you're working. You got a job. You know, you're here, you're filling a space and you should be blessed to wow. be there.
3: And we'll be right back after this quick break. Traditional static offices are a thing of the past. Today, companies and employees want an active workspace. Veridesk helps people reimagine their office design. Being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less can help improve your health by boosting energy and productivity. Veridesk Active Workspace Solutions make it easy to encourage more movement in a day. The new ProDesk 60 Electric Standing Desk is the cornerstone of the active office. It's designed with commercial-grade materials, stable at any height, and fully assembled in under five minutes. Plus, all Veridesk products are made to last. They're also simple to set up and move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. Check out Veridesk products, including the new ProDesk 60 Electric risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns. Learn more at varidesk.com slash Forbes. That's V-A-R-I desk dot com slash Forbes.
2: Who are your living icon? You mentioned Mariah
1: Carey. Who? Are yeah. your, who? Are, who? Other other like, entertainment living wise, icon? or just Anything. in general, living icons today. Living icons. Mark Zuckerberg is a living icon. Uh, I would say uh, obviously Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. Um, still living. Um, and entertainment wise, I believe I believe Jay Z. Mm-hmm, yeah, Jay Z is definitely a living icon. Um, Diddy. Diddy is, Diddy, I always talk about Diddy, like, people don't give him enough credit. Mm-hmm. That dude is, like, the Al Capone of our generation. <laughs> even, even beyond, like, when you think about what he's done for culture and, like, from music to fashion. He's to, done everything. He and, like, like, there's, Diddy is probably that guy, like, respected in every level. There's not a room he walks into where he doesn't get respect. We had a big hundredth uh, birthday party for Forbes, and we had all
2: these honorees, and Diddy was one of them. And he, gave, he on stage, he walked up and gave Steve Forbes a big kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was Steve Forbes. I think favorite favorite part of the entire <laughs> entire celebration was that it was it was amazing. But he's it, in everything. He's in li- There's nothing that li- man liquor Clinton. You, you you do so much in, in entertainment, do you, and you mentioned you know Zuckerberg and and Buffett and Gates, like you know, icons. Ever, icons are everybody. Would you ever think about getting into a different business down the line? Uh, I mean,
1: I've been in, you know, it's, it's funny because I've paid attention to business, you know, early on and made some really wise decisions, you know, with my money and investments and, you know, I've had a headphone business since 2010 that's generated over $115 million. Which one's that? It's called Incredible. It's Incredible, you know, and we started with Monster and now, you know, kind of been able, been blessed enough to branch off on being Mm -hmm. my own distributor and own manufacturer, um, uh you know it was, i've done a bunch of different things i was the cco of radio shack for a while I've done you know like yep. it's it's uh being able to oversee and and tap into the world of business uh and been an angel investor in a bunch of stuff early on uh but it's nothing people i no matter how much i do in that field i think you know i will always just be an entertainer mm-hmm. people people will see me like oh that's the guy who did this or he's an artist that did that but uh i think it that's a that's a business in itself but i will continue you know consumer electronics pro uh businesses booming you know what i mean it's probably better uh right now than it's ever been before and as branching off even with you know my wild and out brand we're mm-hmm. opening sports bars and comedy clubs and hopefully create a franchise in that space so it's stuff like taking the creative ideas that I start with and then watching them branch out how' this business. how the sports bars work uh well we're we'll probably be opening our first one you know by the end of twenty eight eighteen mm-hmm. um and um really looking at franchise we' started in Miami then California New York and uh, taking on that Dave and Buster's, and Hooters model of just providing those are two, those are two different models. <laughs> they are, but they're kind of similar. we I mean, no, think about what's it. Gonna
2: right? be, what's your hook? Like, okay, is uh, it- it's
1: Wildin' out. So it's the same thing that you see on our TV show, but so like instead of the Hooters waitresses, it's the Wildin' out girls, like, and you know, there's the games that we play on the show will be uh, reflected in the in the menu, mm-hmm. and you know. Uh, it's like the the hip hop sports bar that has a comedy club vibe to it and you know do everything from karaoke to mechanical bulls all the stuff that you see on the show will actually be in our sports bar, so it'll be a lot of fun.
2: That's why you don't cook. You have your own sports bar. You're all it's, you're all set. Hey, there you go, man. You see. <laughs> so and what So I, I, I you, you have so much different stuff. Like, what are you doing tomorrow? What's what, what's your focus t- this week?
1: Tomorrow, Uh this week. I mean, obviously, like I said, I, I get ready to go for all my classes at <laughs> at uh, Howard University. So you go down there? Yeah, every we go to DC every week to to go to school. But uh I mean, you know, but my office is also in the middle of Times Square on the 40th floor. So. I'm also developing TV shows for MTV and wow. Nickelodeon and running all of that stuff, too. So What are you studying? Uh, it's a double major right now, administration of justice and uh, legal communication. So I also go uh, weekly to, uh, in D.C., the the D.C. jails and, and the prisons, and I mm. uh, facilitate classes in there with some of the inmates, and that's part of my administration wow, of justice cool. major. Here.
2: Yeah, Say like, you, I mean, obviously you can at this point you could have studied anything
1: you wanted yeah. what, what drew you to that uh just the the injustice in our justice system uh i've been an activist in the community for quite some time and i was like man i gotta really understand this if i'm gonna speak on these issues and in the systemic problems that have started from the very beginning and understanding criminology and in the mindset mm. of uh lawmakers and law enforcement and how we can, if we're gonna take control of the narrative, how we have to understand how to dictate our our struggles. Um, and interestingly enough, like I've I've tied in my legal communications uh, to it as well because now being in the media, I have to understand how to perpetuate those messages. Yeah,
2: what is legal, what is legal communications?
1: Uh, it, it taps into a lot of stuff, but it, it's really tapping to that law side of media. Um, I've, I've, I've had many classes where w- there's this new media model of understanding what's legal and what's not legal mm-hmm. in the media. But then overall, it's just really tying it all together on, on how to deal with the laws and you know communicating that mm-hmm. to the rest of the, the country.
2: So once you finish finish school, and obviously you've been an activist for a while, and you
1: have such a huge platform that many people don't, what do you have a plan to kind of tie that all together? Uh, yeah, in many ways. I mean, I'll continue to do my activism and continue to do the work in the community, but ultimately, I think I truly want to be a professor. Um, you know, I think that's a that's a good end game for me. Uh, it's been you know, like as an entertainer, yeah. as a businessman, it's all good, but to be able to sit back and just teach and enrich. Uh, hopefully, that's where it all lands for me. I wish many professors had stand-up comedian backgrounds. <laughs> right? You got, the, you, be you got would You got
2: the preacher background. You yeah. got the, the music. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And would I, you teach law or teach?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know as of right now what it would be specifically. Like, even because, you know, I'm, I'm teaching a little bit uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, my syllabus has uh, been mainly um, art and justice so it's kind of bringing all the worlds together of everything that i'm learning but all the stuff that i already know and you know uh the history of art and how it's been you know perpetuated in throughout just different scenarios Mm -hmm. and different genres different aspects of from civil rights to you know where we currently are and how art reflects society so it's been pretty cool what was it? Uh,
2: was it weird your first day of class? The school kind of a lot of a lot of fans lining up or it was te- weird. Te-
1: initially? Yeah, I mean people they, they they don't believe that I really go there. So when they see, they're like, "Oh, you really are here!" Like, yeah, I'm here. So, uh, but at this point, they don't care no more. Like you know, especially midterms coming around, they care less about me. They're trying to get that grade. That's right. You when when terms start? Uh, should be in a few weeks. Honestly, that's great. And how do you? When you when you're doing
2: your schoolwork, do you like, kind of turn everything off? Like do you focus on? Nah, business? I wish it's I could. Of, yeah. Hey,
1: yeah, th- I can never turn everything off. But uh, you know, I, I I get it done. I, that's the thing. You got to do it right there on the spot. Yeah. You just actually it just reminded me I didn't do my paper from last week. I got uh, <laughs> I got to figure that out. I'm gonna do a lot. Of, that's what tomorrow's all homework. You, you got to pull all nighter tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. the kids will, will get in the way. Too, sure.
2: <laughs> They'll be sleep. <laughs> Nick, do you mentor younger entertainers? Or if you don't, do you, have
1: a, do you have advice that you would give someone who's looking to get into the business? I've had the opportunity in my career to, to do everything I've ever wanted to do. Um, and so I feel like where I am now, it's all about giving others opportunities. That mm. brings me the the joy, um, and that kind of fulfills me in a way that, oh, man, I can I – can, feed into this new artist or this, I can invest into this new concept or mm-hmm. this new endeavor, or this new startup. Um, and in that I, I get to rebirth myself, you know? Uh, so it's funny, like there's even certain artists that, you know, we have out now, uh, that are extremely successful. Like, uh, the Grammy nominated Kaylani And I remember I, I found her when she was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, homeless in in oakland wow. and, and how'd you find her uh well inter- the story is 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 really deep but uh she was a contestant on america's got talent that hmm. didn't win she was a part of a group and you know pe- people knew that i knew of her uh-huh. and kind of reached out during her hard times and i was like yeah i mean let's figure it out i'll, I'll help you you know whatever we can do and kind of made it. Deal with her and her guardians at the time that if she finished high school, that I would take care of her from there. And you know, year year and a half later, she was nominated for a Grammy. So there's um there, but even saying that, like the advice that I give is just believing in yourself uh, when no one else will, when in a unapologetic manner, to where when when others are offended by you, you mm-hmm. stand firm in what you believe and and trust in your art. Uh, and get it to the people who yearn for your art, mm-hmm. and you'll always be successful. And if I can be that conduit, if I can help be that person to get this message to the masses, then I'm all for that. And that's in my activism. Uh, if That's in my artistry. That's in my business. Uh, I just feel like ultimately I'm a conduit. If you were that you know
2: 12-year-old kid starting out right now in the business, or trying to get a break. What, what, what would you what, what would you do? You think?
1: Uh, what would I do? Uh, go date a Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> That's the shortcut. <laughs> yeah. I, le- leapfrog years of work. Yeah, Kardashian and Jenner. You get you one of them. You're, you're an instant star. You're making millions of dollars.
2: But would you like? Would you jump on social media? Yeah, would you, nah, I mean, or would you like kind of
1: grind it out? Club, you know, do, yeah, to hit clubs and hone. I joke t- about them. it, but I would do exactly what I did. You know i mean i wouldn't do anything differently um i would get to it uh and that's the thing that separates the real from the fake is the ones who actually go to where it is people always come every day people mm-hmm. are always coming to me Man, i want to do this i want to do that like well where do you live and that usually separates every especially now because people believe they can become insta famous by just being in their house because a few people have done it mm-hmm. but the people who really do it go to where it's at. So you have to go to, go to Hollywood and just think yeah, of those jobs. Or yeah, something. if you want to make cars, you got to go to Detroit. Yeah. You know, so if, if, it's, if, if you're serious about it, if you're serious about being an entertainer, go to where they make entertainment, uh, where the big buildings are. If you want to, you know, if you can't, if you want to be a, a shaker on Wall Street, they gave you that address. <laughs> you got to go there. <laughs> like... Um, no, these days you gotta be a computer scientist. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or but I'm just saying, or right, you know, even no, at, I know you're exactly. from Silicon Valley to you gotta go to where it's, that that just separates the and the only reason why I say that is because it really shows drive. It mm-hmm. really shows dedication. If you know, I've been that person to have to sleep in your car and you know, those are all great stories to tell, but it, it really builds your character. And show it, it'll let you know if you're really built for this because mm-hmm. some things you're like, man, I thought I wanted to do that, but I don't want to work that hard. Yeah, and uh that's ultimately what it is. If you really love and have passion for what you do, live it. And right now, you mentioned like working with new talent.
2: Besides what you're doing, are there any? What's exciting you now? Are there any like other other any upcoming artists, entertainers, or shows, or things that you're or just even technology that you're getting excited about and we should keep
1: our eye on? Uh... I excite me. <laughs> uh, I'm always trying to figure out what's the next idea that I'm gonna come up with. But I, I mean, there's so much stuff being thrown at us. Uh, we're just there's an onslaught of information and, and content. So the things that harness that always excite me, in whether it's in the space of tech or fig, figuring out what's the next platform, uh, you know, that we're gonna be able, like right now, as it sounds kind of cliche, but we all know that content is king. Yeah. And people just want more and more of it, whether it's music, whether it's television, film, comedy, drama. It's it's all there. And uh, I, hopefully I'll be able to continue to provide it. Awesome. Well,
2: great show. I want to thank, I guess just call him Renaissance Man. I'll Cannon. take it. I'll take it. Thank you for your time. <laughs> no doubt. Thank Appreciate
1: you. Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. There it is. Entrepreneur. The Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, the Renaissance Man. Okay. Put down on the business card. <laughs> all right. Thanks.
2: No doubt. That's it for this episode of the Forbes interview. I'm Steve Bertoni. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a question or comment, please reach us at interview at podcastone.com. Hi, I'm Spencer Raskoff, the CEO of Zillow Group and I have a new podcast here on Podcast One called Office Hours. Listen as I have one-on-one conversations with other CEOs. We have the kind of conversations that can only happen between peers, tackling tough questions, sharing hard-won insights, and helping to define what leadership means today. Join me twice a month on Office Hours exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the new Podcast One app.
0: Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale. Like 19-ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for $10. And pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch in store only for just $10. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details U.S. only. At the Border.